Welcome to the Husband Factory Podcast. I'm the host and founder, Makita Kamara Omensa. Join me here every week where I help single women meet good men and enjoy great marriages using proven faith-based principles. Now, here's today's episode. Hello. Good day, everybody. This is Makita Kamara Omensa coming at you live with another exciting episode of The Husband Factory. I wanted to tell you a story today. I wanted to tell you a story about myself when I was single in preparation for marriage. And this is something that has stuck with me for 15 years. This happened when I was 25, and I still remember it to this day. So it was very memorable. So When I was 25, I bought my first house. So I was really proud of myself. And the way that happened is my lease expired in December. But I said to myself, you know what? I'm not going to go look for another lease. I'm not going to look for another house to rent. I'm just going to buy a house. So that was October. I told myself that. And do you know, by December, I had my house. So that just goes to prove that, you know, whatever you set your mind to, you can do. And whatever you pull by faith, you can have. So that's by the way. But anyway, I was 25. I just bought my first house and it was a fixer upper. So I decided to take a second job because, you know, I was going to do all the repairs myself or at least hired people that weren't too expensive. So I took a second job. At that time, I was working at Bank of America during the day. And then my second job was at a resort community. I was waiting tables. So I had long days. You know, the place where I used to live back then was a very exclusive, expensive place. So if you worked in a resort community and you did fine dining, you can make about $200 a night for just a four hour shift. So it was pretty good money at that time for being a 25 year old and working you know, part time. So I was really excited. You know, here I was, I felt like a boss babe. I had my nice red sports car. I'd had, I just bought my first house by myself, you know, so I felt pretty good about myself. So one night though, I came home and I was just getting ready to go get into bed. You know, I was, you know, my days back then were like from 8 a.m. to about maybe 10 p.m., 11 p.m., they were pretty late. And so I was just exhausted, you know, and I, you know, when you just start to get into bed and then you can feel yourself slipping and falling into sleep and the pillow so comfy and, you know, everything is perfect. Then I hear the voice of God. And do you know what he said to me? He said, you didn't cook today. And at first I was like, what? But I know I heard it clear as day. He said, you didn't cook today. Now, I was expecting the Holy Spirit to say something like you didn't pray long enough today or something spiritual. I was just I was floored. I was like, "Okay, doesn't the Holy Spirit see that I'm a boss, babe? You know, doesn't he see that I just bought my own house that, you know, I'm doing my thing. I'm making my money. Not only that, I was involved in youth ministry at the time. So I was doing ministry. I mean, I was you know, I was proud of myself. I was doing pretty well. And you know, of all the things the Holy Spirit has to worry about, he's worried about I didn't cook. So at the, I was just like, OK, don't you have some God stuff to be doing, like looking after the Milky Way galaxy or making sure the planets are aligned and making sure the people in Australia aren't falling off? You know, they have enough gravitational pull that when the Earth spins on this axis, they aren't falling off. I mean, you got some big God things to worry about. Then I didn't cook today. So I was like. I answered the Holy Spirit back. I was like, yeah, and so what? 
yeah, I know. I shouldn't have said, talked like that to the Holy Spirit, but thank God for grace and thank God for mercy. <laughs> but that's what I said. I said, yeah, and so what? And the Holy Spirit said, is that what you're going to say to your husband? Now that caught my attention because I've been dreaming of marriage since I was a little girl. And actually at that time in my life, I actually felt like I was ready to get married. That's one of the reasons why I bought the house because I was saying, you know what? I know I'm not married yet. I don't even have a boyfriend yet, but you know, I want to have something to bring to the table. I don't want a guy to just meet me and here I am a pretty face and, you know, I love God. I also have some assets. You know, I have a house. We can either rent the house out or we can sell it and make the money, use the money for our life together. I wanted to have something to bring to the table. So that's one of the reasons why I bought the house. And at that time, I've been talking to God about wanting to get married. So when he said to me, is that how you're going to answer your husband? You know, I answered him. Yeah. And so what? And he's saying, is that how you're going to answer your husband? I was like, oh, no, Holy Spirit. <laughs> I'm going to be a good wife. If my husband asked me, my husband would never have to ask me if I didn't cook today because I'm going to cook his favorite meal. I'm going to be the best cook ever. No matter how busy I am, my family is always going to have a nutritious home cooked meal. He's not even ever going to have to eat leftovers. He's going to rave about my cooking and all that. And so that's what he said. So the Holy Spirit was quiet for a while and then he was just listening to me. And I just went on and on about what a wonderful wife I was going to be, because at that time I still had a, a daydream type of idea about marriage. And not to say marriage isn't wonderful, but I had a very fairy tale idea of how marriage is going to be. Right. And so he listened for a while. Then he said something I will never forget. Like I said, this happened over 15 years ago and I still remember it. Do you know what he said to me? He said, anything you aren't doing now, you won't do then. And I said straight up in bed, you know, all the sleep left my eyes, all the tiredness left me because I understood, like I got it. He was telling me, if you're not cooking on a regular basis now, you're not going to do it when you get married. So the problem was not that I didn't know how to cook. I looked, I knew how to cook. I grew up with just my father from the time I was 10. So by that time, I was 25. So by the, from the time I was 10, I was the one cooking in the house. I learned how to cook. I was fortunate enough to have some friends from other cultures. So I knew how to cook food from other cultures, not just from my own culture. I had some friends that taught me how to make soul food. I mean, so I knew how to cook all kinds of food and I cooked very well. But that wasn't the point. The point is he was saying, you don't have a system in place for when you get married of how you're going to cook. Now, for me, that was important to me. Cooking for your family may not be an issue, may not be something that you value. You may be thinking, oh, I'm, I don't plan to cook for my family anyway. So that's <laughs> or your husband anyway. So that's irrelevant to you. It, it may be. But it's something to consider because it wasn't that I didn't know how to cook. I didn't have a system for how to cook when my life became busy. Because when you're single, think about it when you're single. You can eat Cheerios and tuna fish all week. No one's going to say anything to you. Am I right? Who's going to tell you anything if you don't if you decide not to cook for a month? Absolutely nobody. You may, you know, miss your favorite food and decide to get up and cook. But for the most part, no one's going to say anything to you. So I was just sat there and I was thinking, OK, I leave my house by 8 a.m. Sometimes I don't get back to 11. How am I going to manage this? And so. You know, I've always been a busy person since I was little. I've always been a busy person. So at that time, I had two jobs, but I really understood what the Holy Spirit was saying is like, right now you have two jobs, but when you get married, you may not have two jobs, but you may have ministry. You may have other obligations. 
your relationship with your husband is going to be take up more of your time than, you know, you have now as a single woman, as a single woman, you, all your time is your own. So I had to realize that God was telling me that I need to make sure if that's a priority to me, which it was. I need to make sure that I have a system in place. Now, what is a system? A system is anything that saves you stress, time, energy, and money. So I had to learn how to create a meal every day or at least every other day, even with my busy schedule. So this is what I learned how to do. I learned how to sear meat. And then cook it in a crock pot. If you don't sear it first, the meat gets kind of soggy. But, you know, when you sear it first, you know, searing, you know, pan fry it first, it just get, makes it kind of nice and juicy on the outside and then soft on the inside. So I seared the meat first and I learned how to cook it on the crock pot. It will cook all day on low. By the time I get home, the meat is done. I would just have to cook maybe vegetables and rice, which takes two seconds. And then I learned how to save money by buying a family pack. So what I used to do is I'll buy a family pack of meat. I wash all the meat. I'll season it at that, that same time that I washed it, season it. And then I'll put it into portion packets because when you're single, it's easy to waste food because it's just you. But I will package it into portion pack freezer, freezer packages. And you can find freezer packages that won't leave your food tasting like, you know, that freezer burn. So wash the meat, season it and then put it into portion packs into the freezer, into freezer packs. Right now that is really great because it saved me time when it comes time to cook, right? When it comes time to cook, all I have to do is defrost the meat. I've already washed it. I've already seasoned. I just put it in the pot, Uh, defrost it and put it in the pot or defrost it and put it in the oven. So that saved a lot of time. Another thing I learned how to do was cook stools and gravies. Anything that takes time, I will cook them on maybe on a Sunday afternoon, a stew or gravy, any of those things that you need to boil for a while, I'll cook them and then I'll freeze them. Another thing is a pressure cooker. Pressure cooker became my best friend. Do you know the time that it takes you to get dressed in the morning, to put on your makeup, put on your clothes, do your morning devotion? By that time, your your food, that's about an hour, right? Or more for some people. But an hour is all a pressure cooker needs to cook all your meat. By the time you're done getting dressed, your meat is already cooked. So by the time you get home, all you're doing is cooking whatever your starch is and cooking your vegetables, which, like I said, cooks in no time. And then there's even rice cookers out now. You know, they've been out for a while, but, you know, you can also use a rice cooker if you want and cook your rice there. You know, if you if you're a rice person or if you're a pasta person. So that's what I started doing. And it helped me a lot. And do you know I was cooking every day or every other day? Yeah, of course. You know, I was living by myself, so I didn't have to cook as often. But I kept up the schedule because I knew that when I got married, I didn't want to end my involvement in church. I knew that I didn't want to get married and just be a wife, that I, I, I still wanted to have a career. I still wanted to be active in my church. So in order for me to do that, I had to develop a system. And a lot of women think that when they get, once they get married, they'll just figure it out. Things will just fall into place. But no, ma'am, that's not how it works. Anything you're not doing now, you won't do when you get married. It's just as simple as that. You'll behave yourself for the first couple of weeks because the man is around. But after a while, you're going to go back to your old habits. After a while, if you haven't developed a system, if you haven't developed an organization and how you're going to do that, you're just going to go right back to those old habits. So that's why it's so important for you to do it now. And it was important for me because I knew that I didn't want to just be somebody's wife. I knew that I had a purpose. I knew that I had a destiny. I knew that I wasn't going to be missing. 
out on meetings or trainings or anything that was happening because I had housework or I had, you know, to take care of my family or to take care of my husband. Now, there are some men that don't care about cooking, which is fine, you know, and there's some men that will even cook with you, which is beautiful. But you still have a responsibility to know how to cook and to set yourself up in this in a way that you are able to manage your life. It's more about organization than anything else. Now, you can decide that, you know, we're going to hire a cook, which is fine if you're in the, if you're in a position that you're able to hire a cook, but you also have to have that managed as well because if you hire a cook, you're going to have to know how to organize the grocery, you're going to have to know how to organize the food prep, you're going to have to know how to organize the time that the cook comes to the house. So it's still organization. You know, there's a scripture that says that the older women should teach the younger women how to be keepers of the home. So for any of you that feel like, oh, this isn't important, mm, it's, you know, I, I, I believe it is because why would God ask the older women to teach the younger women? That's Titus. Why would God ask the older women to teach the younger women how to be keepers of the home if it wasn't important? And, you know, and for those of you who are going to plan to have enough money or enough influence that you'll get outside help, that's beautiful. That's wonderful. But you also know how to plan. You have to plan for the outside help. Like I said, like the Proverbs 31 woman, the, the scripture says that she provides food for her household and she teaches her maidens. So the people that are going to be helping you in your house, you're the one that's, it's almost like having your own company. You're the owner of the company and you're orchestrating everybody. So you're going to have to be in charge of the people that cook. You're going to be in charge of the people that clean. You're going to be in charge of the people that help you with the kids. So that also, you need a, a, a sense of organization to run that smoothly. So even if you have other people doing it for you, you're still going to need to learn how to systemize things and organize things so that you're able to enjoy your life. You don't want to get to the point where, let's say you and your husband are involved in church. I just bring that up because that's how my life is. But let's say you and your husband are involved in church. You come home from Wednesday night Bible study. It's, you know, 10 p.m. And then that's when you I get a chance to cook. That's stressful. You don't want that. You want to have a system in place that you're able to enjoy your life with each other and still get things done. OK, so that's by the way. Now, another thing that I had, another issue that I had was I was a little messy. Yeah. So I had to come up with a system, you know, like I didn't want to get married and then my husband see like, oh, my car is a mess or my house is a mess or whatever. So what I realized about myself is that my mess always happens when I'm rushing. Like I'll just be a hurricane. I'll just be like a tornado. I'll just be rushing and then things will just, I'll just be leaving things in my wake, you know? And so I came up with a system for that. I was like, you know what? Most of my mess, 99 of my mess, 99 percent of my mess happens when I'm rushing. So this is what I'm going to do. Number one, I'll stop rushing. Number two, when I'm getting ready in the morning, I'm going to get a tote. And that's what I did. I got a tote basket, just something that's foldable. But I got a tote basket that I can pop open every day. And everything that I use that morning, my deodorant, my lotion, my perfume, my cream, my makeup, you know, Everything I use in the bathroom that day goes into that tote basket it's because normally in the morning, I don't put things back where they should be. And that's where the mess comes in. So if I put everything in, in the tote basket, when I get home, the house is still clean. And all I have to do is put the things that are in the tote basket back. Do you understand what I'm saying? And the same thing with my clothes. If I try on a few things and I'm like, no, what I what I had planned. One thing I did was plan my clothes for the week, you know, like you did when you're a little kid. It really does kind of help. But 
After planning my clothes for the week, maybe by the time I tried it on, it really wasn't that nice or it was raining that day and I decided to wear something else. If there's clothes that I changed or clothes that I took out of where they belong, I put it in another tote. So I had two totes, one for the bathroom, one for the closet. And I put in another tote so that all the mess stays in that tote. And the rest of the room stays perfectly neat and organized. Same thing for my car. I had a little tote. Anything that I get that from the outside goes in the tote. And then when I leave the car, I carry the tote with me instead of le- instead of having to take a special time to clean out the car. I just have to clean out that tote. Do you understand what I mean? So it really I came up with a system to beat my bad habits because I didn't want to get married with those bad habits. Now, your bad habits may be something else. It may be so many things, but, you know, there is one thing I do want to say about as far as being a domestic partner to your spouse. You know, one day I asked my husband, I said, what would make a man cheat on a woman like this? We are watching a celebrity. I don't want to say the celebrity's name because, you know, I'd hate to be in that position and have and be, you know, in a fishbowl and have people discussing me. So I don't want to say the person's name, but, you know. It it happens so many times, all these beautiful women and they're cheated on. And you're saying, what in the world could a man want? What what more does he want? This woman is gorgeous. This woman is, you know, she's every man's fantasy. You know, you hear men just drooling when they see her or they hear about her. So what would make a man cheat on a woman like that? And then my husband said to me, he said, well, you know, first of all, you don't know what the woman's like. I said, yeah, that's true. Yeah, she may be, you know, not a nice person, whatever. But I mean, it's like all these beautiful women are being cheated on. And sometimes the women that they're cheated on with aren't even all that. And he said, yeah, that's the thing. He said, women underestimate how important it is to take care of a home and take care of their husband. I said, what? He said, yeah. He said, if you pay attention, a lot of times when these women are cheated on, they're cheated on by the men cheat on, cheat on them with either the somebody that was helping them in the house, like the nanny or somebody that used to come to the house to take care of the house, because those things matter to men. Women don't women downplay it, but it matters to men because when you take care of a home, when you take care of children, it it's a reflection of the man and into him in his mind that's showing him how much you care about him. So my husband said to me, if you even if you ever if we ever get to the point where we decide we're going to. Let somebody else take care of these things. Make sure that there are certain things that only you do. That's what he said. That's from a man's mouth. And my husband is very, you know, masculine. I, you know, I believe anything he says. He said, make sure there's certain things. Like, for example, if somebody else is cooking the food, make sure you're the one that's serving it. I was like, brother, you don't have to tell me twice. (laughs) So just to let you know, just, you know, for us, something to put in the back of your head. If you feel like, you know, those things aren't important. It's just something to think about, you know. And like I said, I gave you the two examples in the scriptures that talk about learning how to manage a home. It's important. And you start now. You don't wait until you get married because it's not going to be as easy. Now, for you, there may be something else that you may need to work on. You know, maybe for you, it's not so much. Maybe you cook on a regular basis. Maybe you, you're a single mom, so you're already used to cooking, taking care of other people. You're already used to, you know, making sure your house, everything is organized and you cook and all that time you take care of the home, it's clean and all that stuff. So maybe you're, you're, you're already used to that. But maybe you have a sharp tongue. Maybe people have told you that when you talk, you don't answer people the right way. Do you think that's going to change because you got married? It won't. You're going to have to change it before you get married. Do you understand what I'm saying? 
like I was telling you, the an, another person that men cheat with is their secretary or their manager, somebody that's taking care of their needs, somebody that's always boosting them, somebody that's always showing them how wonderful they are, telling them how great they are, somebody that's not really arguing with them, that's telling them, now, I don't mean you shouldn't disagree with your husband. You'll disagree, but it's not cutting them down with their words. The secretary and the manager of their firm, it's not going to do all those things. They may respectfully disagree with him, but they'll also boost him up and let him know, wow, you did great, sir. This is a great, you know. So you want to be sure that nobody else speaks better to your husband than you. So it's not, doesn't matter how much you love a man, if you don't work on that, it it's going to slip out. <laughs> that sharp tongue is going to slip out. It sure will. So what do you do? You start practicing with the people that annoy you. Yes, there's men in your life that annoy you. I know there are because there's annoying men everywhere. I don't care where you live. There's annoying men somewhere. He may go to your church. He may go to your school. He may even be in your family. But there's a man that annoys you. And if you're used to snapping at him, try practice calmly answering him. Practice answering him with love. Practice not letting him get to you. And he may be like, okay, what is she plotting? Is she poisoning me? What's going on? But in yourself, you know that you're doing it because you need to practice for your husband. So just ignore it. Don't worry about how he sees it. Just ignore it. Just keep practicing. Do you understand me? You need to practice. It's not going to change because you get married. Maybe you have a, your own is maybe you you don't trust people. You have trust issues. And so it doesn't matter how much you love a man. If you have trust issues, oh, the trust issues don't disappear. You're going to have to deal with it before you get married. Do you understand what I mean? You're going to have to learn to open up to people. And it, and when I say open up to people, there's not everyone you open up to. You have maybe you can start opening up to a pastor or open up to a trusted friend, somebody you've trusted, a confidant. You're going to need to because when you get married and your husband asks you what's wrong and you're like nothing. But then deep down inside you're dying it's going to put a strain on the relationship because you're going to want him to keep asking and he's not going to keep asking because he's a man. Men are built for solutions. If you tell him nothing in his mind, that means nothing's wrong. And especially if he's pressed you a few times, you know how we do. We like a man to keep asking. You know, he'll say, you sure not, not, there's nothing wrong? There's something wrong with your face. No, there's nothing wrong because we're afraid to let our guard down. We're afraid to be vulnerable. But if you're getting married, you're going to have to be vulnerable. Now, I just want to, Say this, you're not going to be vulnerable to a boyfriend. Hello, did you hear me? I'm not saying practice your trust issues with a boyfriend because you're guaranteed then to end up with him. Don't practice your trust issues with a boyfriend. Don't practice your trust issues with a fiance. Practice it outside. Practice it with a pastor. Practice it with a therapist. Practice it with a, a, a friend, a family member, somebody that's trusted, not with a boyfriend because a boyfriend hasn't been trusted or tested yet. I don't care. If he's not giving you a ring and a date, you can't go there. And then there's even some guys that it, once you start pouring emotional stuff on them, even if you're engaged to them, they'll just run off because they can't handle that. So you need to be very careful about that. If you have trust issues, if you know you're, you've built walls around your heart, and you know if you've done that, if you've been hurt, if you've been abused, if people have taken advantage of your trust, you know if you've built walls. But you can't afford to bring that into marriage. It's not fair to you. You deserve to enjoy your marriage. It's not fair to you and it's not fair to the husband. Your husband deserves to enjoy you, the real you, not the you that you show to the world because of your hurt. 
Do you understand me? So please, whatever it is, do what you can to fix it. Do what you can to build a system around it so that you can be the best version of yourself because you attract what you are, not what you want. The level of confidence and self-esteem that you have determines the type of men that approach you. It's the truth. There are some men that won't even bother, that they, they feel like you're, they're going to look at you and be like, okay, she's out of my league. You know, because of the level of confidence and self-esteem that you exert. And there's also some men that mistreat other women, but when they come to you, they won't mistreat you because of the person that you've become. Have you ever walked into a room and men are swearing and carrying on and loud and joking, but then when you walk in, they straighten up and then they're like, oh, how are you today? You know, they become different. And it's not an age thing because that used to happen to me when I was younger. And we were, the men and I were the same age. They just kind of straightened up when I was around. But there's other women that would enter the same room and they would look at them and keep doing what they're doing. You know, so men are not as dumb as we want to think that they are. And I mean that, you know, in a, in a, in a nice way. Men are very, very wise when it comes to women. They are. They know the type of women they can play with and they know the type of women they can't play with. They know the type of women that is that they can mistreat and they know the type of women that they can't mistreat. So if you've been mistreated, there's something you need to change. Okay, so I hope this helps you. I want you to start practicing on the men that annoy you, practicing giving a soft answer to them, practicing forgiving them, practicing ignoring them instead of being annoyed by them. And I want you to practice whatever it is that you want, whatever your idea of a family life. It, like for me, I didn't want either my relationship with God or my family to suffer. Like I didn't want it to be like, OK, I'm going to serve God like the same way I serve God now, but I'm not going to be a good housewife. I, I felt like I could do both. So that's why God brought that to my attention, because he's like, but honey, child, Boss babe, you're not doing both right now and you're not going to do boss babe when you get married unless you do some changes. And so do you know, because of that now, most people, I'm so busy. Most people are asked themselves, how do you do it? Or most people don't think that I cook. It's the funniest thing. Most people don't think that I cook. They don't think I do anything at home. They're surprised when I'm like, oh, I'm just coming from the grocery store. I'm cooking. They're surprised. But it's because I've had years of experience. I've had years of experience building a system before I got married. So it's nothing to me. I had years of being involved in ministry and, and, and taking care of a home before I got married. So now that I'm married, it's a, it's a breeze. Of course, there's still challenges, right? But it's a lot easier than if I had never tried to do it until I waited for marriage. So ladies, please get cracking. Start, make a list of the things that you want to do, the things that you want to see in your marriage. How do you, I, how do you envision your home? What kind of home do you want? Because a wise woman builds her house. You can't say you want an elegant, beautiful home, but you're not going to do anything about it. And like I said, even if you're the type that's going to pay for someone else to make it elegant and beautiful, you're still going to have to learn how to manage people. You're still going to have to learn how to organize times. You're still going to have to learn how to manage payroll, manage budgets and expenses. So it's still going to fall on your plate. <laughs> All right. Well, I hope this, I hope you got a lot out of this episode and have a wonderful, wonderful day. Take care now. I'm sure you got a lot out of today's episode. Don't forget to share. And guess what? The conversation doesn't have to end here. Hop online to www.husbandfactory.com to subscribe to my VIP newsletter. 
Just scroll to the bottom of any page and you'll see the button there. Remember, all the great love stories you've ever heard, out of all of them, yours is going to be the best. Can't wait to hear it. See you next week.